When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, Bulls fans, and welcome to the CHGO Bulls podcast presented by our friends, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app and be sure to use promo code CHGO when you sign up. I am Mark Kay from Australia, joined as always by the one, the only, the GOAT, William Gottlieb. How are you, sir? Mark, I'm doing well. I am in full off-season and getting ready for the draft mode, so always good to take it back to reality and, and talk about how doomed the bulls are. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's good to hear, I guess. Uh, I was just wondering though, have you by any chance been interviewing for the Raptors head coaching position at all? Yeah. Um, I'm actually potentially going to be on JJ Reddick's staff. So, um, well, it's, that's, see that's you guys in Toronto. Mean, the box have an opening too, if you're potentially interested. Um, seemingly it sounds like, a basketball podcast host are potentially in line for jobs going forward. So I'm, I'm just saying, maybe if you're looking for a career change, the Raptors have got an opening, the, the Bucks have got an opening. Who knows what happens after these other teams in the playoffs get eliminated? Maybe another opening becomes visible. Maybe you could, maybe you could go back to San Francisco and just in case Steve Kerr were to exit out of the exit out of the, that job, potentially, potentially, maybe you could be a candidate there too. I think behind referees, coaching is like the most thankless job in the NBA. Just everybody bashing coaches nonstop. Yeah. I think I'm out on that that life path, at least for now, probably forever. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, uh, another one that's uh, another job that gets often bashed is, uh, is journalists. And uh, oh, you happen true. to be one of those. So um, yeah, you haven't necessarily that picked well from that point of view. But getting back... To our beloved Bulls. We're going to be talking Bulls, obviously, because that's what we do here at CHGO Bulls. Well, what are we talking about today? So I requested some questions from our friends on Twitter and for a mailbag, which I posted today at our website, allchgo.com, and got a couple of interesting ones that I thought we could dive a little bit more deeply into. Um, mm-hmm. And sort of the overarching theme here is if what we have talked about for the last few weeks is true, that the bulls are more likely than not going to run it back. We're going to see roughly the vast majority of the same team as last year. And you still want to improve somehow, assuming they still want to improve somehow. um, How are you going to do that? And I think internal improvement, looking within developing the young talent and even some of the, the more in their prime talent 
Zach Levine um, taking a step forward. I think that's kind of where we're going to need to look to try to be, to try to improve on this 40 win season. So I wanted to talk more about that and and we'll go into details about Kobe and his restricted free agency about Zach, maybe having another level um, and in general, just like ways that the bulls can improve. So um, yeah, I think if, if this is the reality, then let's start being realistic and talking about it from this approach. It will be, be so funny if we spend the next several months just assuming that the Bulls are going to run a back continuity. And look, there's there's obviously a lot of grounds for that being the case based on everything that has been said. So it's not like we're just forecasting this based on absolutely nothing. It's seemingly the most likely scenario based on what has been said, based on their cap situation, all that sort of stuff. But it would be kind of funny if we just spend the next few months talking about them running it back continuity and then all of a sudden they blow it up in the house that would be we'll have different stuff to talk about (laughs) yeah i guess i guess but still like at that point we would have different stuff to talk about between may 11th now as as the date is or 12th to july 1 whatever it might be when free agency opens up two and two and a bit months uh we're going to be talking about the current squad and just assuming it's coming back. So that's why we're, we're talking this stuff. And I think we're right to talk about this stuff. And to your point, like, okay, cool. If this is the team that comes back, then how do they materially get better? I guess the cynic in me says they won't, that they can't, that this is all, all a waste of time. But if we're trying to be optimistic about it, then it starts with the backcourt or the presumed starting backcourt. And we know Zach's going to be starting in the backcourt. We'll, we'll, get to, we'll get to him in segment two, but let's start with Kobe. As you noted, you guys talked about him the other day and the fact that you know you went went through and graded his season and he, he had a, a very good season, his best season in the, in, in the NBA thus far, even if some of the, the general box numbers don't read as favorably as what they have in years past. But I think all Bulls fans who watched most, if not all 82 games, would recognize that Kobe had his best his best season He's been or since he's been in the league, so he's a free agent. Obviously, we know that. Um, but I guess for me, the question now it, it's less about who Kobe has been, who Kobe will be, those sorts of things. But I'm more interested in what Kobe starting means for the team, and if this is ultimately a good thing for the team, or if it's a good thing for Kobe, and which is more which is more relevant in that instance. So I, I guess the first question I have is. Should Kobe White st- uh, be starting? Is that right? The right decision for the Bulls as a team, or is that a is that a decision that's maybe something that's more favorable for Kobe as a sense? Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned like not projecting it out, but I think that's kind of what position the Bulls find themselves in is that they kind of have to project this out and see if mm. Kobe is you know he's a restricted free agent if they're going to pay him for you know his age 24 25 26 27 seasons they need to have a sense of what kind of player he's going to be um and that means where he fits into the rotation is he going to be a career third guard is he going to try to get another shot at the starting point guard job um does he move into a secondary uh guard job as as a starter and the bulls still try to find a way to bring in a point guard but move kobe to the two zach to the three demar to the four um I think there's precedent for all of those things to happen. But for me, I think you have to look back at what Kobe has been look and that can help sort of forecast what he will turn into. And then using that information, you can try to determine what that means for the team. So for me, and I wrote this and and I've said it a few times on the pod, which is 
I'm not convinced that moving Kobe into a starting point guard role is the best thing for him and for the Bulls. He admitted at his exit interview that he is not a traditional point guard. Um, he had the opportunity earlier on in his career to be a traditional point guard and struggled. Um, I don't think that's who he is at his core. I don't think that's part of his DNA. And I don't think the Bulls need to force that. I don't think they need to to try to turn him into that again because they found success with Kobe being more of a scorer and a combo guard and more of a um, attacking on reversal passes, catching and shooting, um, and then creating as a secondary option. So that's the role that I think worked best for Kobe. I think it's why he had success on the end of last season um, and where he had most success in the first couple of years of his career. And I wouldn't want to just say, oh, Kobe hit a bunch of threes to end the season. Now let's give him a totally different role because I think that that really doesn't do him any favors. So if the Bulls are going to start him um, and pay him starting money, I would still think that they need to bring in a point guard in some capacity. Mm -hmm. And whether that's Patrick Beverly or Caruso or whatever, I just don't Mm -hmm. think you can go into this year with Kobe White facilitator, Chris Paul type of like floor general, because that's Mm -hmm. not who he is. And I don't think that makes the team around him better. Yeah. And maybe I didn't maybe explain myself well when I opened this segment up, but I, I guess what I've been thinking over the, the coming days and weeks or the previous days and weeks post the season concluding, we've obviously had a lot of time to digest what has been and what will be for these bulls. But the, the, the thing that keeps coming back to my mind is like Kobe, I think has played himself into a starting role. Now, if he was a starting point guard, where would he rank among starting point guards? He would be at the lower end in that sense which is fine. Like he's still trying to find himself as a player. He's only what, 23 years old, something like that. So it's not like he's a complete pro, uh, a complete, uh, he's a complete player Finished at this stage. He's, he's still obviously, he's still got a lot of room to improve on a lot of, in a lot of different facets of, of, of the game. And based on what he did last season, we should feel confident that this guy's going to put the work in to make that happen. So whilst I could get behind the idea of Kobe starting, where I start to get a bit worried is what you just touched on there. Like, what does that mean for the point guard rotation more generally? And we've talked about the cap situation and how they don't have a lot of flexibility, particularly if they retain Vooch, if they retain Kobe, if they bring back Io, they're pretty much going to be... If they're not up against the tax line, they'll be very close, meaning they won't really have any feasible way to add people to the roster, add anyone meaningful to the roster, which is what you'd want to do if you're promoting Kobe to the starting lineup, if you're not bringing back Patrick Beverly because he wants a lot of coin, like he's mentioned, 13 to $15 million. If he's chasing a big deal and, and he's not someone that wants to return to Chicago, then, okay, cool, you've promoted Kobe. You've given him a deal, whatever that deal might look like. We'll, we'll touch on that in a second. But what does that mean for your backup situation? Do you do anything with your backup point guard? Can you do anything with your, your backup point guard position given the cap situation now if you can't and you're relying on either vet mins or very low exception guys someone that you could pay two three four million dollars for does that mean your backup situation is going to be like dalen terry io caruso javante and maybe andre drummond if he returns like is that your backup situation now that you've promoted kobe and you know maybe you don't bring back beverly as an example so Cool, let's start Kobe. I'm all for that, but I just don't know if this is the right decision from a balance standpoint, from a completeness standpoint. And I think if you promote Kobe to that point, which again, you should, he maybe he's deserved that. 
and it's not his fault that the team is where it is from a depth standpoint. But if Kobe goes into that starting unit, I would be very, very worried about this bench unit and what it means going forward. Yeah, and to me, I mean, that's the whole issue with running it back. Um, Mm. If there's a world where you can bring back Vooch and Kobe and still have enough room to give Pat Bev maybe like six or seven or eight million, it would have to be of the mid-level exception, right, in order to bring him back because the Bulls don't have his bird rights. Um, Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, they don't have his bird rights, so they could give him some sort of... uh, extension of sorts or bringing back on a, on a, on a bigger, a, a slight, a slight increase to what he was on last season, but it's not to, not to the figure that he would be wanting. And then the only way they can give him a number to what he would be looking for is to use an exception, like the mid-level exception, whether it's part of it or all. So yeah, that would So be if they could the do all of that and still stay under the tax, which again, not advocating for that, not saying that that's the right thing to do, but in this world that we are living in, that's most likely going to be the reality. And and so we are working within those limitations. Like that's the problem with not making any additions. Even if your guys do improve, you are still thin. And you're actually, even if you run it back um, and you can't bring Patrick Beverly back, you're actually getting worse because now your depth is mm-hmm. one slot shallower. So um, mm-hmm. I think that's that's a huge problem, but I, I think it's less about Kobe and it's more about the roster building yeah. and the depth and the... Um, insistence on staying below the luxury tax because if you're not going to add talent and some of the talent that you have is out the door and some of the talent you have is just not going to play due to injury, then yeah, yeah. you're going to get worse. You're you're older and maybe you maybe you have some internal development through guys like Kobe. Maybe Dalen becomes more of a fixture of the rotation, but like that's the problem with not making improvements. You are falling behind. Mm-hmm. And look, to be fair, the inverse is true as well. If you, okay, cool. You keep Kobe on the bench because you want to stabilize that second unit, but then who's starting? You're still running into that same issue. Maybe, I don't know, if you want Kobe and Caruso coming off the bench, then who's starting at point guard? Like, Regardless of what decision you make, one of these units is going to be weaker. So to your point, it's it, it all comes back to the fact that if they run things back from a continuity standpoint, if they're not prepared to make substantial changes to their, their salary structure and potentially even go into the tax to bolster their rotation, there's, then there's going to be obviously significant questions across the rotation, no matter who's starting, who's coming off the bench, all that sort of stuff. And but one, on the point one of quick thing, Kobe... Yeah, go oh, ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, before no. we transition out of Kobe, um, mm-hmm. w- one thing that I was looking into, you know, I've been pretty steadfast mm-hmm. in my opinion that I think Kobe should not be like traditional point guard. Um, but I was looking I at some of the lineup data with him alongside the big three. And yeah. he's he played 418 possessions with Zach, Damar, and Vooch. And mm-hmm. the two primary lineups, one with Caruso at the four, the other with Pat Will at the four. Um, in all four, uh, 418 of those possess- possessions, the Bulls were plus 6.6. They had 127.5 offensive rating, which is in the 99th percentile. Um Obviously, as good as you can get, they were horrendous mm-hmm. on defense. 120th, uh, 120.9 points per 100 allowed. That's in the 10th percentile. Um, the lineup with Caruso was plus uh, 24.2, so like outstanding. And that I think changed my opinion of it. But at the same time, you're completely changing your DNA. 
right? Like the Bulls were a top five defense last year because of their ability to get over screens, to squash actions before they happen at the point of attack. Uh, with Caruso out there, like the floor is way higher than with Patrick Williams and their defense was in the 74th percentile in those lineups. Um, so that Caruso, Kobe, Zach Damar, Vooch lineup is something I would, I would like the Bulls to explore a little bit more. Um, super, supercharged offense and good enough defensively to where you could be really good. But I do think that, you know, if, if the Bulls are trying to establish an identity and that's something that Billy Donovan talked a lot about at the start of last year, and that identity just so happens to be being a top five defense, being a team that you know opponents come in and can't score against, uh, that they can't even get into their sets against. Like you're just not going to be that with Kobe, Zach, Damar, and Vooch out there at the same time. It's going to be really difficult. And maybe you can outscore guys, but again, then your DNA is just a totally different thing. And I wonder if the Bulls are willing to go to that point. I mean, it's a pretty small sample of 400 possessions. Um, like I said, I'd love to explore that a little bit more and see what happens in more minutes with Kobe, hopefully continuing to improve, but I have questions about like what that means for the broader picture. And then to your point, like, do you have, you can obviously stagger lineups and rotations and things like that, but do you have enough offensive firepower to where you can have any Mm -hmm. of those guys not on the floor at the same time? Yeah. And look, this is exactly where I wanted to take the conversation. So in that lineup data, like we can talk about continuity and all these sorts of things, but assuming, let's just assume the starting lineup was would be the big three. Let's say Demar doesn't get traded, Zach doesn't get traded, Vooch is re-signed to whatever number he's re-signed to, Kobe similarly as well, and let's assume Patrick Williams goes back into the starting unit to start next season. I would I would hope that that's the case. That entering year four, Pat's able to, uh, you know, garner enough win, credibility win a starting as a job. player that he could. Yeah, maybe in year four, get his starting job. So let's assume that happens. That unit, Kobe White, Pat Williams, plus that big three group that we talked about, 164 possessions that they played last season. So yes, it is continuity in the sense that you're bringing back guys that obviously have been on the team for the last couple of years. But in terms of minutes that this that five-man unit played or possessions that five-man played, uh, five unit played, to your point... We basically haven't really seen it. Like 164 possessions isn't a lot. They were really good in those minutes, as you noted. Good offensively, very bad defensively, but we haven't seen much of it. So in some senses, it's doing more of the same, but at the same time, it's also not. And, and that Caruso yeah, and- lineup you mentioned where Caruso's in for Pat Williams, like that's even less possessions. So even though it's continuity, it's not in some senses, if that makes sense. Yeah, and we also don't know like how those possessions are spread out. Like, is that something that we Mm. saw, you know, five possessions a game over 82 games? Is this Mm -hmm. something like the Pat Bev Caruso starting five that happened only after the all-star break that had, Mm. you know, it was like one of the top, however many most used lineups in the entire league, just because Billy went to that for huge portions of each game. Uh, My guess is that it would be the latter. We saw a lot of the Caruso Kobe lineups down the stretch And I think obviously they worked, but I just don't know if like having one hot streak really tells you much in the grand scheme, as opposed to like, this is how they performed over time. And this is how they improved or declined over time. Because I think that's really more of where you can draw conclusions about how that team played like 116, that was roughly a hundred possessions in a basketball game. So this could just be like 
obviously it's not, but this could just be like a game and a half yeah. where they just play the entire time. And that tells you how they performed during that game. It doesn't necessarily tell you how they performed over the course of the season. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's it's not a lot of data in that sense. So like I said, it would be new, but it would feel old because of who it is that's uh who it is that it's playing. But uh yeah, it, it's a small sample size to your point, but just to to give that as an example, like Vooch, Demar, and Zach played th- almost three thousand possessions. I think if I'm cor- if I've done the numbers correctly here, they, they've just played a ton of ton of possessions together. So to give that context as to how small a hundred and something possessions is, it's it's minuscule compared to the to the minutes that uh, Zach and Demar and Vooch played together last season. Now, granted, obviously those guys were healthy, so that's part of the reasoning. But um, and then they played a lot of games together, but still very small sample. But I guess if you're going to put Kobe into that starting lineup, if that's the if that's the intent, and if the intent isn't to keep Patrick Beverly, and we're assuming that Lonzo is going to be out, if not for some of the season, then all of the damn season. So if he if he is going to be that starting point guard, which fine, okay, cool. The thing that I keep coming back to, and you guys sort of touched on this the other day, is like, like how are we paying Kobe? Are we paying him based on being a starting point guard? Are we paying on on him being a combo guard and and the general and you know average type value that those sort of players get? There's obviously the the component here about restricted free agency, and that makes it sometimes uh, difficult for those type of free agents to get some sort of payday. So, and and coming back to what you sort of noted in terms of what you uh, had written for the website, like I, I I have I have no idea what his next contract is going to look like. It could be in my mind at least anywhere from like seven million up to anywhere but to like 15 million i have no idea it's going to be dependent on who actually wants this guy and what his market is going to be and the complexity of restricted free agency just makes it more of an unknown from my point of view at least so i don't know where do you think that where do you think this lands uh what do you think's fair what do you think the market will dictate all that sort of stuff yeah i think you're absolutely right like this is a really interesting situation um obviously the bulls did not come to an extension agreement with him last summer and he said that he was like not at all surprised by that um coming off of a really relatively down season compared to some of the numbers that he put up before the vooch and damar era began um you know if you had asked the first 60 games of this year first 50 games of this year that number might have been a lot smaller but i do think he played himself into some money down the stretch um And it's interesting because like you don't really know what other teams are going to be interested in paying a guy like that. Um, And so I question like, does it make sense to operate the same way as you operated with Lowry where you said, go out and find an offer and we'll either match it or sign and trade you. Um, Or does it make sense to be like, you know what, Kobe, we're not messing around. We don't want you to go anywhere. We're just going to give you this offer. And if you sign it, great. And then if not, or if we can't come to an agreement, then maybe you go do the whole restricted free agency song and dance. Um, the number that I came up with based on how similar players of similar positions are paid um, and based on you know the projected minutes and games played and EPM uh, projection model that Stefan No came up with, it's about 14 and a half, 14.7 million annually. And I think that's like on the very high end of what I would feel comfortable paying him. I think like 10 to 12, but at the same time, like that's not much of a raise over what he's making now, which he already didn't agree to. And he seems to have played himself into more money. I wonder if he'd 
accept that. And at a certain point, it's like, do you really want to pay $20 million to, and, you know, go right up against the tax, potentially not be able to bring back Vooch if that's what you want to do just to bring mm. back Kobe on a ballooned deal? I don't know. I don't know where, where you go in that situation. So maybe it makes sense to try to, you know, work, do figure something out and, and come to an agreement before the restricted free agency that makes sense for both sides. Or maybe, you know, there aren't a lot of teams with cap space, but the ones that do are younger teams that might want a guy like Kobe to sort of see if they can develop him in a new setting and, and give him more responsibility. So it's going to be really interesting. But I think if you're the Bulls, you kind of have to think about it in terms of the number and where you can get value out of this player. Does it be, is it a tradable contract? Is it something that allows you to do this summer, all the other moves that you want to hopefully do? So it's definitely an interesting question, but I think the 10 to $14 million range is probably where it nets out. And I know that's pretty big. So maybe like 12, 13 mm. is, yep. is more in the range that I'd be looking at. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I've got in my cap sheets, my projections, for the off season, I've, I've I've budgeted in twelve million because I think that's a combination of somewhere fair, somewhere in the middle between fair value and market value, something like that. I think that's a reasonable number, a three year, thirty six million dollar deal, something like that, which is essentially a three year deal on the mid level exception. I think that's kind of a fair and reasonable deal. Similar, it, it's similar to the the deal that Caruso signed in, inflation obviously has driven that number up as the uh, the mid level exception has gone up so i think that is a fair and reasonable number 12 12 ish 12 ish million that's a you know a lower a low the, the the amount you'd pay for a low end starter backup you know top backup guy so i think that's fair uh, I, I, here's the thing though I don't think a sign and trade is going to happen for two reasons one or at least not in the way that Larry Markin situation happened uh, for, for two reasons so Kobe seemingly wants to be in Chicago uh, Larry didn't uh, or at least was amenable to exploring other options and obviously clearly he did so I think that's one thing to consider but also I, I, I don't know I don't know if the Bulls can afford to lose Kobe in a sign and trade because Okay, cool. You lose Kobe, but if you're already losing Patrick Beverly because you, you don't want to pay him money, you don't have Alonzo presumably for most, if not all, of a season. Who is your point? Your 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 starting guard or your your starting point guard, your backup point guard, whatever it might be. Like, what are you doing at guard if you're signing trading Kobe away? Now, maybe it depends on who you're getting back in that sign and trade, but assuming you're not getting someone better or maybe not even someone who plays the same position, then and I would assume you're not getting back to someone who plays the same position because why would a team that's wanting to sign and trade for Kobe be sending out a point guard? Like I, I just don't think the Bulls will do that just because they just their guard depth will be depleted at, at, at the same time as well. So I'm almost operating on the assumption that a sign and trade just just won't happen for a number of factors. Yeah, I think that's that's a fair take. Um, I wonder if there's a move that like consolidates a little bit. And I know you just mentioned like mm -hmm. already lack of depth here but maybe you attach kobe to lonzo and you can get you know yeah maybe you throw in the portland pick or something and you can get somebody back um or maybe it's caruso or i don't know what but like maybe there's a, a trade it's like a two for one situation or you can bring back a higher level talent for kobe but it is it's kind of like you know the situation that the celtics are in with jalen brown or something where you know mm. everybody wants Jalen Brown, everybody wants the Celtics to trade Jalen Brown. But if you're the Celtics, like, what are you doing that gets you a better player 
than Jalen Brown. It's, it feels like the Bulls are in a similar situation where like, yeah, maybe it's not like the most perfect fit in the world. Maybe it's not like the absolute best situation, but is there really something better? You're not going to just get rid of them to get rid of them because that's really mm-hmm. how you hurt yourself. So I think, again, we, we talk about this all the time, but value is going to have to be the primary objective here. Can you get him on a number that makes sense that you can move later if you want to, that um, that he will hopefully outplay and then you've got yourselves on a, on a real value deal? Um, I think that's that's got to be the primary goal. But if you're paying him 15 16 million dollars like you know kevin porter jr money or you know luke canard money then what are the odds of him doing that and now all of a sudden you've got another bad contract on the books that prevent you from making other deals so i do think this is a really important one and i i kind of doubt that he is going anywhere else um but the number has Mm -hmm. to be right you can't just give him whatever you want to keep him yeah of course yeah look the bulls have leverage over kobe because he's a restricted free agent but Kobe has leverage over the Bulls in the sense that they just don't have a lot of guards, presumably, at this stage, particularly with Alonzo situation, the Beverly situation. Unlike Lowry, who had Vooch in front of him, who had Patrick Williams to sort of contend with as well, like the Bulls weren't offering or didn't have a feasible way for Lowry to start on this team, at least back then. That's not true for Kobe. So it's going to be an interesting one. We'll we'll see how it obviously plays out. But can we pay some bills? Can you tell everyone about our friends at FUBU TV? FUBU TV has 140 plus live channels of sports, shows, movies, and news. You can stream live TV from any device, watch the most Chicago sports for the lowest price, and you can start watching immediately with a seven-day free trial. There's no contract, no cable, and no hassle. You just sign up and start watching. And you can also get a 1,000 hours of cloud DVR storage. Maybe I will now record a bunch of college basketball games and overtime and G League games so I can study the draft for the inevitable Bulls trade into the first round. Um, And you can get those 1,000 hours for no extra charge. You can watch your local teams while traveling. Um, I will obviously be doing all of that draft scouting while I am on vacation this summer. Um, But I'll also be watching upcoming events like golf, like the WNBA, the Sky are starting up their season. you know, some of the other drafts that are happening, obviously NBA in June, the lottery next week. And then of course you've got your Cubs on marquee and your socks on NBC. So use the link in the description below to sign up for 15% off your first month with Fubo pro. Make sure you guys go check out Fubo TV. Beautiful. And while you're doing that, or after you've done that, get a beer in your hand friends and make sure that beer is a goose Island beer. Uh, Chicago's best and premium beer company since 1988. We are very, very thankful that uh, our good friends at Goose Island are supporting us here at CHGO. So do us a solid friends and uh, get down and support the Goose Island Beer Company, whether that's going down to your your wherever you buy your alcohol, whether you want to grab your hands on a sixer of Goose IPA, maybe it's the Tropical Beer Hug, the 312 wheat ale the matilda ale whatever it might be there's just an assortment of beer selection that you can choose from and get your hands on and and i would suggest maybe trying trialing a a whole bunch and trying to find that beer that is right for you the goose island beer company has just an assortment of different beers that you can get your hands on so do that friends and as will noted the draft is coming up particularly nba draft is coming up or at least the lottery is coming up too. The lottery is next week. Maybe you want to go down with two, uh, with your, a couple of your mates down to one of the one of the tap rooms that Goose have and have a few beers whilst watching the the NBA draft lottery uh, after the lottery itself. Getting a few beers in and 
watching the draft itself at one of their uh, famous, famous uh, tap rooms. You can even go down to the the original the, the original brew house on Clybourne Avenue in Lincoln Park, or maybe go down to the tap room on Fulton Street in West Town. You can get your beers in. You can watch your draft draft lottery. You can watch the draft itself. Have an event at one of the Goose Island Beer Company tap rooms. So do all that. Support us here at CHGO by supporting our friends at Goose Island. William, let's transition. Let's talk. Let's talk uh, Zach Levine because uh, we're we're assuming we're assuming that uh, that Kobe's going into that starting unit. And if that happens, then we're going to get another look at Kobe Zach backcourt. And I'm wondering what that looks like or what that means for Zach and if it changes anything for Zach. Because in some senses, we've seen this before. Yeah, we we saw it maybe as a starting unit uh, when, when Kobe was a, an inexperienced guy in year one and year two, that sort of thing. So maybe it's not really a relevant data point at this stage, given that both Zach and Kobe have changed as players. But for Zach himself, like... Maybe it's dependent on Kobe. Maybe it's not. But putting him, putting a point guard like Kobe next to him, does that enable someone like Zach to maybe reach another level? Or maybe it's not independent of of the Kobe situation. And maybe Zach just has this within himself, irrespective of who his backcourt mate is. But can he get to another level? And what I say by, or what I mean by that is, like I'm just sitting here watching Devin Booker do things in the playoffs. And uh, just being, if not the best player in the in the playoffs, then at least one of the best three guys in the playoffs. And he has just made a leap in so many ways, whether it's as a scorer, whether it's a playmaker, even his defense has come on in the last few years. So I'm sitting back here wondering, can Zach make that sort of leap? Can he? Can Zach break out of being that, you know, borderline all-star guy, top 25, top 30 guy? And can he really make a leap to being a top 10, top 15 type of guy? I don't know if that's possible. I don't know if it's possible for him to make that all-NBA leap. I don't know. Can he be on the level of a Devin Booker and a, and a Donovan Mitchell from that point of view? I guess that's what I'm wondering now because if there's not going to be a lot of changes to the roster and it's going to be more more of the same, then something has to change in terms of who's doing what and how they're playing. So can, can Zach take that leap and in doing so push this Bulls team further up the Eastern Conference standings? You hope so. Um, I used to kind of think of Zach as being in the same tier as Devin Booker, another guy in the playoffs right now, Jamal Murray, um, Bradley Beal, Jalen Brown, some of those guys that are kind of, you know, second tier shooting guards. Obviously that, that crop has kind of risen to the top Donovan Mitchell in there as well, but Booker and Mitchell have certainly elevated their game a step above where Zach is at this point. Um, and you know, I think I think Zach can get better. Um, I'm not sure he can quite reach that level. But if you look at his numbers for like the second, the the better part of the season, quite frankly, um, I think everybody's like favorite line of demarcation is the loss against Tim, the Timberwolves where they gave up 150 points and everybody was blowing up in the locker room and all that. Zach, in, in games following that, debacle he averaged 26.3 points four and a half rebounds four and a half assists shot 50.5 percent from the field 38 percent on th- on 6.8 threes per game and 85 and a half percent on 6.4 three throws i'm looking at devin booker's stats right now and it's literally like the same with the exception of uh, a point and a half and an assist more per game but same numbers uh zach was actually better from the field better from three 
um, shot more threes, got to the free throw line the same. So like the counting stats are right there. But mm-hmm. as we talk about this, I'm just thinking to myself that the Bulls are just built to be a poor man's sons or a poor man's nuggets that are mm-hmm. really good teams. And, you know, the nuggets might make the finals this year, but like, that's kind of, that's kind of what they are. And I think like, if you're going to be a poor man's version of a team that's in the second or third round of the playoffs, you're going to be in the play in or the first round of the playoffs. And that's kind of where you are. And I think that's where, what the bulls destiny is. But in terms of Zach, you know, you look at some of the guys that were all NBA this year, Luca, Shea, Steph, Donovan, Fox, Dame were the six guards. Um, I don't think Zach is cracking that, but if you look at what he did the second part or the better part of the year, um, it was obviously super impressive and on par with, if not better than his all-star season the year before. Um, and then he played all but one game at the end of the season during that second half. So after the first handful of games, when he missed a few back-to-backs, um, played all but one game, which was the game against the Pistons where everybody sat. So I think Zach is really good. I think he's still a half step or a full step below guys like Booker or Mitchell, but that's still a really good player. And I think there's maybe a little bit more room for growth, but I think that room for growth is more of like the mental IQ, you know, part of the game as opposed to like adding more moves because he's obviously just a super talented scorer at this point. So I think it's just getting more experience in high leverage situations. I think he can improve in those areas because he just hasn't had a lot of them to this point in his career. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny because context and role matters so much in these things because from the Zach that we've seen in Chicago and the Zach that we saw, whether it was last season or seasons prior, he's pretty much established himself as an all-NBA caliber guy when it comes to finishing plays. He's one of the most devastating scorers in the league. The run that he was on, you know, the, the final three or four months of the regular season was just insane. So from that point of view, like, I think he's at that level at a scoring level, like at an all NBA level, but it's all the other stuff. It's all the other stuff, which is unfortunate because I think he probably has more chance to be that all NBA guy. And maybe the perception of him changes if he was a number two to someone, if he was a second option, like if he was playing next to Nicole Jokic as an example and put him up, it may be even the same numbers, but wasn't charged with running an offense or being the lead guy doing that sort of stuff. I think the perception of who Zach would or who Zach is would change dramatically and in, in and in part would change the dynamics of how people talk about him, the narrative surrounding Zach. And in that instance, I think even as a second option in that instance, I think he would have more, more of a chance to be considered an all-NBA guy than what he has here in Chicago, where presumably next season he's going to continue to take on that mantle of the number one guy. And if that's the case, I just think we've seen what that looks like before. I think we know what that looks like and what that ultimately leads to. So even if Zach is in, and like just reaches an insane level next season, I just don't know if he has enough, you know, enough in his game to be a fully rounded player to the point where people will ever consider him to, uh, to be at that level, a top fifteen, top ten level guy. Which is a shame because I think in, in a in a different situation that would be the case, like. Donovan Mitchell or Jamal Murray or Devin Booker, some of these names of, of guys that we're talking about, like they have the luxury of playing next to some pretty incredible players. And not to disparage Demar or Vooch or the other role guys on this Bulls team, but like playing next to Nikola Jokic or Kevin Durant or whoever it might be is a very different thing than playing next to Vooch and Demar, as you noted. 
So I, it, the oddity in this situation is that I think if Zach, if, if he was in a different situation where he was being leveraged as a second guy rather than being the face of the franchise, I, I think he would probably get more consideration for All-NBA, would probably the narrative surrounding about him would be completely different and just people how people feel about him like playing next to a Doncic for example that would just completely change how people view Zach so and and to be fair like that's changes, to be fair that's yeah. maybe not the perception but like that's the vision I think that AK built this group with which was for Demar to be the number one lead offensive initiator um, mm. to have good extra pass facilitation shooting defense around him with. Caruso with Lonzo and to give you another good interior presence, both a scorer and as a facilitator. And obviously the, the shooting was probably never going to be quite at the level it was for Vooch that it was that final year in Orlando, but he's certainly a capable three point shooter. We wish he did it more and, and did it better. But I think the outlines of that are there. And again, that's why I mentioned like a, a poor man's version of those teams, which it is what it is. I mean, that's that, there's a, a blueprint that he's trying to go for, and, and I get that. Um, and maybe they had even more runway to improve if Lonzo had stayed healthy. But I think it has to do with winning. Uh, certainly the perception of it does. And until the Bulls win, yeah, that's probably not going to change. And I think the bigger question is, like, is that going to change with the Bulls? Is the winning part going to change? And I think the, the older this group gets with the key and primary players, Vooch and demarketing you know, into their mid thirties and no help coming in from like the ground floor through the draft, no trades being made. Like it's just, it's hard to do. It's hard for me to convince myself that things will get better next year with less talent, with older guys and not much else changing. So I think that really gets in the way of Zach and his ability to change the narrative. But at the same time, getting to the all-star game twice um, making it to the playoffs finally. Like I, I do think that helped his that that helped his trajectory. Um and I think he would have been seen nationally in a much more different light had he not started the season, you know, with that injury limitation. So maybe next year he's just like full go from the beginning and he looks a lot better and that changes some things. But I do think there's a ceiling on it based on how the team performs. Yeah, I completely agree. Let's let's continue talking about that and in, in terms of how Zach can improve, but more being the, the team more generally, because like we said, that's ultimately where it needs to come from, given the situation of the of the current roster. So let's 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 just pause that conversation for the moment. Let's return back to it. But before we go on, I want to tell everyone about Shady Rays, our friends at Shady Rays, who take the sun very seriously. They take the protection of your eyes very seriously, and they do so by bringing uh, by building rather just some absolutely brilliant premium polarized shades and they do so all at an affordable price so if you don't know friends shady rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair you may have ever worn whether you've paid three four five hundred dollars dare say paid a thousand dollars for a pair of sunglasses like i have to question why you would do such a thing when a company like shady rays exists out there they build Durable frames that are extremely clear in terms of their optics, whether you're getting outdoors, whether you're roaming around downtown, you need to get those sun sunnies on your face now that we're approaching the summer the summer months here in Chicago. You need a pair of sunglasses. So that is why you should be buying your sunglasses from Shady Rays. And best the best thing about Shady Rays is they have a lost and broken policy whereby 
if you happen to lose your sunnies, if you happen to sit on them and break them, they have a replacement policy whereby they will give you a brand new pair, no questions asked. So you can wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back by having this lost and broken policy in place. So definitely take up the offer, friends. So if you want to, if you want to get yourself a pair of sunglasses and exclusively for our listeners here at Shady uh, at CHGO, uh, Shady Rays is giving you the best deal of the season. So go to ShadyRays.com and use promo code CHGO. When you do, friends, you will get 50% off two or more sunnies of polarized sunglasses. So try them out for yourself. They have over 250,000 five-star reviews online. So a lot of people are saying this is a good product. It's not just William and I saying it. Over Many are saying. Over 250,000 people have done so. So uh, get your hands on some Shady Rays and uh, thank me later. But um, another thing you can thank me for and thank William for is uh, the, the Combat Energy Efficiency Program that uh, is currently ongoing. Will, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Well, can you actually kick things off for me? Because I need, I need a little uh, jump start to tell the people what they want to know about ComEd. Yeah, I can give you some energy in that sense. So the ComEd Energy Efficiency Program is committed to helping families and businesses in the communities they serve, helping manage energy, energy usage, lower your energy, energy bills now, and of course, into the future. That is 1,000% correct, my friend, Mark. ComEd offers a wide variety of incentives <laughs> on lighting and other efficiency upgrades to commercial, industrial, and public se- sector customers of all sizes across our territory. ComEd offers free facility assessments that can help find energy-saving opportunities like for HVAC systems, commercial kitchen equipment, or industrial processes. Interesting. Interesting. Can you tell me how it works? I would love to tell you because it's quite simple, really. An authorized engineer will work with you to develop a detailed assessment plan specific to your goals and needs. They can be done in person or virtually and last approximately two hours. And then within three to four weeks, a customer will receive a report detailing energy efficiency projects that they can start working on immediately. Each recommendation will include, uh, as I reject a phone call, each recommendation will include estimated energy savings, cost savings, projected cost, potential incentives, and simple payback. So if you own a business, don't wait. Get started saving money money and energy and Monergy, your favorite mark. For energy saving <laughs> tips, lighting incentives, or to schedule your free facility assessment, go to comed.com slash powering biz. Well, was that comed.com slash powering biz? Yes, sir. It was comed.com slash powering biz. B-I-Z. Interesting. I'm gonna do that after we after we wrap up this show. That's where I'm heading. Comed.com slash powering biz. Now I'm just wondering that call that you rejected. That wasn't an authorized engineer from Comed who was just giving you a call to discuss their energy efficiency program, was it? I'm hoping that wasn't the case. Um, no, it's not the case. It was my friend Wes. Okay. Shout out to you, Wes. Who to I know Wes. is not listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough fair enough well that's why we can reject his calls but uh let's let's get back on track let's talk zach let's talk the rest of the team and how they go about approving because that's the pertinent topic now like yeah we've talked about all the all the ways these things all, all the way this may break in terms of the cap sheet we're not expecting much change from personnel so it's like okay cool you're not necessarily changing your team again this is the third or fourth transactional window or cycle where you haven't made anything well we're assuming they're not going to make any meaningful change 
okay, so how do you make meaningful change in that instance? What changes for the team uh, in terms of their trajectory, for the players on the roster? How does that change? And you've mentioned this a few times on the show, but it has to change through internal improvement. Now, for Zach, someone like that, he he needs to make a leap from a playmaking point of view. Uh, Pat, you guys have talked about the fact and, and you, you specifically noted that he needs to be working on his handle. Like if we want Pat to be running more pick and roll, if we want him to get to the free throw line more, doing all that sort of stuff, creating more off the bounce in isolation, now you can't do any of that if you don't have a tight handle, which he seemingly currently doesn't have. We've seen Kobe make some improvements, which is, which is why we started this entire show talking about the fact that he might be in line to be that starting point guard. But William, what other changes can this team make, whether it's at a player level or maybe hold more holistically in terms of what they do on offense, defense, whatever it might be? Like, What needs to change for this team to improve? Well, I think you're looking at internal development as being the key here. And I think kind of starts with Zach and goes on down the line from Kobe to Dalen and Patrick. Um, Patrick is obviously going to be a huge part of it. He started for the majority of the year. And I think if... Patrick Beverly leaves, you assume he'll be back in that starting role, right? I mean, I'm not sure who else it would be at that point. Um, you know, a starting lineup of either like Kobe and Io at the one four or Io and Pat or Kobe and Pat. Like it seems like that's kind of the trajectory that we're looking at here. And I think obviously the biggest thing is going to be shooting. Like I I wonder if you can like develop into like there's a difference. I say this a lot a lot. There's a difference between like being a guy that can shoot and being a shooter. And Kobe is a shooter. He is really good at it. It's part of his DNA. And I wonder if guys like Pat or Dalen who can shoot or have proven to be able to shoot a little bit can become shooters. I'm not sure, but I think that's got to be like something that certainly Dalen is working on. I don't I don't really see a lot of avenues for him to get on the floor unless he's becoming mm. like a really really dependable knockdown shooter at least on catch and shoots from the corner. So I think that's really where you start. Um, he gives you, Dalen gives you transition opportunities. I think the Bulls need to find those as much as possible um, so we can help you there. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like you look at the things that struggle, that this team struggled with last year, and it's like, it doesn't really feel like there are quick fixes that Billy Donovan or the coaching staff or the front office could just say like, Oh, let's just like make some tweaks within the current system or the current roster that we have. And like, that'll open up the floodgates. And now all of a sudden this team is going to be a top 10 offense. Um, I think it's like real structural things that are wrong with the roster that prevent them from being that. So unless these guys can develop completely new skills or become elite at shooting, I'm really not sure how you can, forecast this thing to be much different the one thing i'll say is the clutch so last year obviously the bulls really struggled in the clutch i don't have the numbers in front of me but towards the bottom if not worse in the league in terms of clutch net rating the year before that much much better one of the top teams Mm -hmm. in the league tomorrow obviously had the game winners all of that Um, those things tend to be really volatile and so you know the bulls did underperform their uh their expected wins based on what their point differential was i think they were four games below what you'd expect so you're looking at 44 44 win team by the math maybe you're getting a little bit closer to that but again that's like within the same standard deviation 
of where they were last year, right? Like this six win window is I think approximately where they're going to finish with this group. So we're looking at another win or two. Maybe that changes things in the play in tournament where you have home court in one of these games and, and that can get you into the playoffs. But like, are your fortunes really all that much different? Probably not. And that's why we take it back to this whole thing of like, well, they can't just let the roster be the same. They have to do something. And in order to do something, you kind of have to do a lot in terms of tearing everything down or at least moving one or two of the big three. I'm not sure they're going to do that. I I doubt they are. So they're going to have to get on the podium at the start of next year during training camp and say, you know, we think things are going to be different for X, Y, and Z reasons. And my guess is that's going to be, well, because Dylan was working really hard in his jump shot this summer and we had him in our building and now he's going to be, you know, a 38% shooter on high volume and look what Patrick did on three and a half attempts per game this year. He's going to be up around five or six and he's going to shoot 40% again. Like, I think that's kind of the improvements that, that you're looking at. And hopefully that's enough because at the same time, Damar and Vooch are getting older. Um, Zach, I think is like in his, is like set in his prime. He's not like reaching his prime. Mm. He's, he's also probably like not going to take a huge leap forward. Maybe he will, but um, Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of what you're looking at, which is a little bit makes me a little queasy. Yeah, I feel the same. I feel queasy and I feel queasy because that improvement, it has to come from the young guys as, as we've noted, like Pat Dalen, Kobe, Io, maybe, maybe a draft pick, whether that's keeping their own or trading for one. Now, obviously if they keep their own in, in the lottery upcoming next week and if it's a top four pick maybe that dramatically changes things but uh assuming that that isn't the case and maybe they get a pick from the blazers in in, you know a a late pick like that as an example and get back to the 2023 draft and maybe that's how you, you add another potential young guy but i think for this team to take a leap or to to get up into that four or five range and be doing what the knicks are doing right now sort of thing I think you have to have massive leaps from Patrick Williams and, and Kobe White as a minimum. And Io and Dale and Terry need to establish themselves as reliable reliable role guys. Because at the, at, the, at the moment, like I'm, I'm probably confident in seven guys in the rotation. It's the starters, which includes Kobe now, um, Patrick Williams and Alex Caruso. Like that's your seven. And then depending on how you feel about Andre Drummond, assuming he opts into the final well, year of his deal... That's only that's, six that's because guys. if we assume Patrick Beverly's gone, Caruso's true, starting. True. So it's yeah. really Alex, Kobe, Zach Demar, Vooch, if Vooch comes back. Yeah, no, and, you're right. I miscalculated. And who was the who was the last one? So yeah, like if Kobe goes into your starting unit, depending on who you're starting at power forward, whether it's Caruso or Pat, then there's there's five and then it's one of those guys is on the bench. So let's assume it's Caruso go. on the bench and Pat's starting. So that's six. And so yeah, you're right. I, I was over calculating then overstating how many guys you I'm actually comfortable with in the rotation. It's probably six or seven. So it's not ideal. So from that point of view, you need Dalen and Io. Like Dalen and I can do things that can get them on the court. It's their jump shooting that's going to keep them on the court and keep them being a reliable option within the rotation. And I'm not confident in either establishing themselves um, from a jump shooting standpoint. But that needs to happen. Similarly with Pat, like, cool, you've established yourself as a good and reliable role guy. I think you can do things clearly on defense. You, you, you have established that you can be a knockdown shooter on low volume. Can you tick that up as you noted? I don't know, but you 
you're going to have to. You're going to have to take six or seven threes next season. You're going to have to hit them at a 38 to 40% clip. But can you also do some stuff on offense? Because as you noted, like DeMar and, Z- uh, sorry, DeMar and Vooch aren't getting younger. There might be some regression there. So even if some of these young guys improve, is that enough to outweigh or to offset any regression that comes for, some, for the older guys? So it really is on Pat and on Kobe probably to make meaningful leaps. Kobe had it. I think Dalen season, but he's going to have to. Yeah, yeah. Look, yes, for sure. But I mean, Dalen ultimately will be a bench guy. So for Dalen, it's big. It'll be going from being the third unit to being a commendable, uh, a respectable second unit guy. Whereas if Pat can make a leap and be like a 15, 16 point game scorer and Kobe does something similar, then my perception changes of this team. But does that happen? I guess it depends on your confidence on that. But I don't know, man. It's come back to your point about feeling queasy and nauseous and all that sort of stuff i guess if it just comes back to how people feel about these younger guys and and what they ultimately think their scope of development is for me like i think they're all if they're not already will be good fine role players guys that can either be uh you know important lower end starters or very valuable bench guys but i don't see any of these players as guys that uh, are going to meaningful meaningfully change your your franchise so because of that's how i feel about it i just can't be excited about it but if people think that pat's going to be a star or kobe's going to be a star then maybe they feel feel differently but uh yeah it is what it is but we'll we're, we're getting on mate before we close the show can you tell everyone about game time i would love to because game time is the best way to buy tickets that makes it zero stress in finding the last minute bargain prices so uh, if you're ever looking for tickets to a last minute Cubs game or Sox game over the summer, it's the easiest way and fastest way to buy tickets. Um, I'm going to a comedy show tomorrow night and we got our tickets on the game time app. It's super easy. Uh, all you do is go into the app, find the event you're looking for, and you can click on any spot in the stadium. It'll show you a view from where you'll be sitting um, with an image of your seat and everything. And it's the lowest price guaranteed event cancellation protection, and job loss protection. So it is the place to go for last-minute ticket deals. Forget about planning months in advance. GameTime has deals on tickets right up to the day for each event. They also have exclusives, exclusive flash deals on a variety of different events, including baseball games and theater and comedy events, which you will surely be going to this summer. So snag the tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use promo code CHGO for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem using code CHGO for 20%, $20 off, excuse me, $20 off. Download the GameTime app today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Last-minute tickets and a last-minute conversation here on the lottery. The lottery is coming up next week. It might be... Might be one of the most important lotteries the Bulls have had in a long, long time. Most so, important pretty, lotteries any team has important. had ever, maybe. Yeah. I mean, this is this is gonna yeah. be as everybody listening to this knows, like this is gonna be amazing. It's gonna be incredible. It's gonna change the course of the NBA for the next 10 mm-hmm. years at least. And yep. I'm gonna be there and I'm actually gonna be sequestered. I'm gonna be in the drawing room, so I'll find out who gets Wendy before anybody else does. They're going to take my phone and my Apple watch and my computer. And I am not going to be able to send out any smoke signals or Morse code to 
tell you guys <laughs> that the Bulls got the first pick, unfortunately, but it's going to be really cool. Um, not sure who else is going to be there, but a uh, very cool experience for me. I've never done anything like this. So went to the lottery last year. It was a lot of fun and I won't actually see what is on TV because I'll be in the room. And, and by the time it's actually airing, everybody in the room will know and we'll just be all, I'm sure, jumping up and down for whoever to get Webby. Uh, that, that'll be a fun experience. I can't wait to talk to you about that. That's uh... Yeah, I can't wait to pod and write about it afterwards. I will give you guys all the details. Yeah, that'll be cool to get the insight of what what it's actually like to be within that room when when they're drawing the lottery balls or however however it works. That's that's going to be some pretty cool insight. But on the lottery itself, coming back to the Bulls, the Bulls have an eight and a half percent chance of jumping into the top four. They have a one point eight percent chance of landing that top the the top pick in this draft. So the odds aren't great. But having said that, we've got William in the room, so I'm wondering if he could, uh, you know. Just bring some some level of shenanigans there, and maybe bump that eight and a half percent up to forty percent some way. Like, just can you can you? I don't know whether it's that uh, the frozen envelope or if there's the, if there's better, more uh, in you know intuitive ways to do that in in the modern age. I don't know. Maybe there's ways we can bump up those odds with you in the room. Or like, are you prepared to uh, be a bit of a sleeper agent in that sense? I will do whatever I need to in order to secure. <laughs> the first overall pick. I will dive on top of whatever. I think it's Ernst and young is the law firm that oversees it. I will, they'll have to hold me back from picking the bulls lottery ball, ping pong ball and putting it first on the, uh, on the little table. Well, yeah, well, as long as you're doing everything you possibly can, I think that's all we can ask for you. But I mean, I'm just going to, I wish we had a camera in there because I would love to see your body language in the event that they did win the lottery. Like, like, the, like <laughs> I know the I'm going to have to like, I'm not going to yeah. do that. I will. I imagine it will be similar to my reaction watching Bulls <laughs> game two against the Bucks last year where they won in Milwaukee. And I was just sitting at on the press box on media row and I was just like <laughs> shaking <laughs> I'm sure it'll be something like that. I'll I'll internalize it. And then when I get home, I'll like have to go to the gym and hit a punching bag for an hour or something. Fair enough. Well, whatever whatever you need to do to uh to let it all let it all out, I guess. But uh the odds aren't great, but obviously we'll we'll find out next there's week. There's a chance. There's a chance. Yes. So you're telling me there's a chance. But uh, Okay, we'll let me ask out. you this before we before we head out. Mm-hmm. Is there any part of you, big or small? that feels that you don't want the bulls to win the lottery because that would mean that ownership gets another free pass at a generational talent without actually doing anything to deserve it. Or would you just say, you know, the lottery happens. It's there's all chance anyway, like this, somebody is going to get lucky here. It doesn't matter if you're the first, if you have the first best odds or the last best odds, like somebody's getting lucky and you'll just take it. Or would you be a little salty? So, I can't lie. There would be a because I feel like you thought a, about this. I have definitely thought about this. There would be a, <laughs> a part of me that would be disappointed in the Dorfs just being rewarded with another generational talent without them doing anything to earn that. In the same way that Michael Jordan changed everything about this franchise and turned this franchise into a billion-dollar empire for Jerry and Michael, that would annoy me on some level. But having said that, my going in position is every NBA owner is a, you know, a lot of bad words. I don't have, <laughs> I don't feel very strongly or have meant much, uh, you know, affection 
for any of these billion dollar owners. So they're all jerks as far as I'm concerned. So if one of these jerks is going to be handed Wemby, then why not it be our jerk, I guess is my point. And there is obviously a benefit to that. And that benefit is that it makes me happy. Uh, I would rather be in a scenario where we have Wemby than not. So yeah, does it suck that Jerry would be gifted Wemby? Yes, ultimately, 100%. But at the same time, I would rather Jerry have Wemby because it means I have Wemby than not having Wemby, if that makes sense. So there's a selfish, uh, how much selfish component to that. I don't want to see the dwarf succeed in any manner, but I guess if they, they're not going anywhere. So if I want my team to succeed, then ultimately the dwarfs in some shape or form have to succeed so i'm gonna have to put that uh put that you know my feelings aside about ownership put that aside for the uh the benefit of the fan base the benefit of ourselves here at chgo and just ultimately the benefit of me so yeah does that answer your question (laughs) it does i have no comment on on my uh my end of things but i'm very excited you you can't the lottery will be huge objective beat writer yeah i'm gonna i'm objective um, one more final question for you. If the bulls mm-hmm. get the third or fourth pick, meaning mm-hmm. no scoot, no Wemby, do you think yeah. there's a world where they trade that pick or do you think they take the young guy and as sort of a hedge where now you can kind of set yourself up a little bit or maybe even trade one of the veterans? Like, do you think there would be any major movement on the roster in that case? Or do you think, you know, we just added a great young talent to our core that we seem to be so, um, you know, that that we seem to think is better than it actually is. Yeah. What do you think would happen if, if they got into the top four? Obviously, the pick would roll over the next year and the pick that they owe in 25 would roll over the next year. So those picks would still be outgoing. Um, do you think they would keep it or, or try to move it or move somebody else? Well, we, we were talking, we, we spent half an hour talking about Kobe White and what his potential role and contract would be on this team next season. But if the Bulls were, land, were to land like the second or third pick as an example, and they've got an opportunity to draft Scoot Henderson, then I don't think in that scenario, Kobe White comes back and that changes any leverage that he had over the organization, over the franchise. That completely, that scenario changes just dramatically in that sense. So, and, and the reason why I'm bringing this up is because when we've done our cap projections, when we thought about what what the, the Bulls' cap situation would be next season, we've, we haven't we haven't accounted for any first round picks. Now, if for whatever reason they were to add like the second or third or fourth pick in this draft to their cap that's sheet, a big like old that's, cap hold. Yeah, that's a big cap hold. That's like eight, nine, maybe ten million dollars, whatever that number might be, depending on that pick. That changes the cap dynamics of it as well. So. Uh, yeah, it would be amazing. I think they keep the player. They need to keep that 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 uh, younger player on a on a good team friendly deal, which you would assume a player who's t- taken in the you know second, third, or fourth in the draft for over that four year period that they're that they're in the league and presumably hoping at least that they deliver on their draft stock that that they would make that money work for the team. So I think they would keep that pick. I don't think they would trade it. Um, that's my instinct at least. But who the hell knows? But uh, if that's the case, then it it does change the dynamics of the of the team and it would be interesting because it may, may in that scenario you're like okay cool we've lucked into a top three or four pick but you may be also having to pay the tax depending on what you're doing with the rest yeah. of the roster that well, i think actually fun. any of the guys in the top four would fit the current group really really well so obviously mm-hmm. Wemby, you put him at the four which is where i think he's going to play anyway um mm-hmm. now all of a sudden you've got your 
elite rim protector. You've got way more floor spacing and yep. you've got potentially like one of the great players of all time coming through your system. Um, if you get scoot now, your point guard problem is solved and you can actually, I think move Kobe into the starting group and have him and Zach on the wings. And now you've got better shooting. You've got an elite point guard, an elite decision maker and somebody who can get downhill and create chaos and force the defense into uh, getting into rotation. I think the same true, same is true with Amen Thompson, um, somebody who really, really incredible passer, incredible athlete. He can defend, he can get downhill. Um, I think both of those guys are going to be just insanely good point guards, which obviously the Bulls need. And then obviously with Amen, you get this giant six seven wing type of player who is going to have the ball in his hands and really change the way that you function offensively. Um, mm-hmm. And then Brandon Miller obviously is like the, the, the prototypical three and D wing um, with creation upside that every single team in the league is salivating, trying to get um, he's somebody that would, you know, probably play the three and DeMar would shift up to the four. Maybe they do trade DeMar in that scenario to try to open up space and shots and have Brandon Miller Zach and Patrick Williams at the two, three, four. Um, so I could see, I could see how that would work with any of those top four guys. Uh, so I don't think they would trade the pick. I think they'd be insane to do that, but, um, yeah, it's only, only eight and a half percent chance that they get in there. So who knows, but I'm really excited to be at the lottery. I'll be at the combine too. So just to tease, I think on Monday, I will be dropping this project that I've been working on. That will be a notion that you can access through a diehard subscription to our website. And it's going to have like all the major stats. It's going to have a big board. Um, eventually I'll be doing mock drafts. Once we know the draft order, um, it's got like points, rebounds, assists per 36 minutes, two point percentage, three point percentage, three point attempt rate, free throw rate, true shooting, effective field goal, offensive, de- defensive rebounding percentage, assist usage, turnover, all this, all these stats, um, that you can sort of sort through and see, and then you can click on individual players. And I've got a summary. I've got synergy, uh, play type information in there, some video breakdowns and notes on their strengths and weaknesses and projections and, um, where I think they would fit the best. So a huge thing that I've been working on a lot, I'm not a total draft Nick, um, but I have been watching a good amount of film and putting this together. So trying to get better at that. Um, but I'm really excited to share this with everyone and, um, I'll probably put out like a YouTube explainer video on how it all works, but, um, keep an eye out for that next week. Beautiful. I can't wait for that to drop. So friends, if you want to uh, get access to that, obviously sign up to the website, sign up to be a diehard or chdo.com where you get all of Williams musings, but in particular, as we get it getting closer to the draft stuff, you want to get your hands on that. So uh, jump on the website, follow Will on Twitter at Will underscore Gottlieb. For all of that, I will be on Twitter too, maybe sometimes talking nonsense at MK Hoops. We are on Twitter too at CHGO underscore balls. Appreciate everyone for tuning in. Um, going to be a lot of fun next week. There's going to be a lot of draft content, a lot of draft lottery content. So be back whether it's on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, whatever the situation may be, wherever you get your pods, come hang out. We'll be here every day of the week as we typically are. Uh, William, thank you for joining us uh, or joining me as you do every week. Listeners, appreciate you. Uh, it should be a fun week next week. Hopefully, hopefully that lottery luck hits us, but uh, we'll find out in a number of days. But I appreciate everyone for listening in. Speak soon, Bulls fans.